let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we are celebrating, aren't we, mate? We are. It's a very special birthday. It is a very special birthday. It is Jaipur's 15th birthday. Um, and you and I are just finishing off what was a pre-recording Jaipur to, to, to celebrate with Thornbridge. Yeah, and uh, I think we both dug out some of our favourite pictures. Um, I dug out a picture of the Jaipur pint I had post-Crimbo Crawl in the Sheffield Tap. Yep. And, and you pulled out the picture, which I knew you were going to show, of the pint of Jaipur at the brewery, didn't you? I'm nothing if, if, if but predictable, mate. <laughs> that's, that, that's for sure. Um, so while we finish off our Jaipur, uh, we're not alone this week. We are joined by a guest, a drinker, Simon Dewhurst. Simon, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, what are you drinking at the moment, mate? So I'm actually supporting my local brewery tonight. So this is a summer blonde, um, 5.8% Belgian beer from the Belgian brewer. Um, who is based in Bishop Stortford, my hometown. Uh, it's been going two or three years now, um, I think, and it's a, basically a guy came over from Belgium to Bishop Stortford for work about 20 years ago. He worked in the city for about 15 and then thought, I'm going to give Bruin a go. Um, so obviously he has the um, Belgian blood running through him and he thought, I'm going to make it into a Belgian brewery. We have nothing else like it around. Um, and he, I think he's doing really well. We're not there to pick this up. Just yesterday, uh, he's doing takeaways, obviously, in the current situation. Um, but he said he's, he's doing well, looking forward to reopening the tap room and terrace, hopefully, uh, later in the summer. Um, so, yeah, I haven't had this one before, so let's give it a go. Well, so that does, I mean, it does sound good, and the, and the beer yeah. you got poured in the glass looks, looks lovely for me. Yeah, mm. it's really, just really clean, that classic sort of Belgian yeasty style. I did pick up a, a triple as well, um, but I thought, as this is a school night recording, I thought I'd go for the... Summer blonde that comes in a bit lighter at 5.8%, um, but it's going down very nicely so far. How very sensible. Thank you very much, guest drinker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Martin, what are you on, mate? Our friends at Ants Mac and Hob Day sent us through um, some more beers, so thank you very much to, to them for that. And I've got one which they did as a collaboration with Against the Grain, and this is called The, the Zest of Friends, which I knew I was going to have trouble actually saying. Um, and actually, I thought it was lighter than uh, than it is. It's, it's five and a half percent, um, and I'm presuming it's going to be a bit fruity and, and spiky. Um, I too am also on a beer from Anspach and Hob Day. I am on the Cream Owl, um, which comes in at four point five percent, and it's uh, this is a little bit more detail. Uh, so this is American style from the pre-prohibition era which has been remastered for London State. It's got Laurel hops, um, and it also has flaked corn and oats to give it uh, a smoother character. So I'm actually quite looking forward to drinking this. I would have expected the corn to be in it because pre-prohibition, they didn't tend to use corn as much, did they, in the American beers? I thought that came in a lot more afterwards. Um, no, I think it was always kind of a... Of a or was it a thing for them because they didn't have the same barley? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is very, very light in colour. Oh, it's very light. for a cre mm. uh, That's not what I was expecting for a cream ale. N no, I was expecting darker. Well, as you've got the glass in your hand, Steve. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers, Simon. Cheers, guys. There's something a little bit um, herbal in there, some kind. Um, 
the the zesty element of it isn't quite coming out at the moment. You know, like maybe some of the um, the lime. When I when I think of zest, I'm thinking of like orange, lemon, lime, those kind of things. Um, I'm just looking at this. It does say that there's some coriander seeds to add a touch of spice, and generous kettle hopping results in a clean bit of finish. Hops of summit, laurel, enigma, and amarillo. Uh, lemon zest and lime zest, yeah, which I'm not quite getting. It is, I mean, I've quite enjoyed it. There's a lot going on in it. What's your, what's your cream ale like? Um, interesting. Um, it's not what I was expecting. It's, it's not got the, the, the body and smoothness that I was maybe expecting from that particular style. It's, it's very light. It's very floral um, on, on the aroma and on the initial flavour. Um, there's some light citrus notes going on, and, and then there's, there's hardly any bitterness. There's, there's, there's a very subtle bitterness on the finish. Um, but other than that, it's, it's just a bit neither here, here nor there at the moment. I'm just wondering if it's a, if it's a little bit cold, and as it begins to warm in the glass slightly, then there might be a little bit more come, come through from it. Well, I mean, we've got 440 cans, so we've got a little bit of beer to get through and a bit of time to get through it. So um, we'll come back to what, what we think about it. Okay, yeah. So while we're um, working through these beers, um, Simon, tell us uh, a little bit about your, your, your beer journey to, to, to date. What's, what's brought you here to be our guest drinker tonight? I guess, really, I suppose my upbringing has almost been in parallel with sort of the craft beer explosion in this country. So, I mean, when I first started drinking, I was very much traditional ale man. Um, brought up I guess by my dad to drink the likes of sort of Timothy Taylor's landlord. Um, he's, a, he's a good he's a good man your dad isn't he? He's a good man. <laughs> Ad, Adnan's ghost ship all those oh. classics yeah um, so that's where I started and I guess as I came out of university which was 2014 it just coincided with the time that you had all these craft brewers jumping out around the UK um, and then a friend of mine introduced me to Untapped I think that was about three, four years ago now. Um, and haven't really looked back since then. Um, <laughs> so I'm very much um, like you guys, a, a big fan of the app. I just think I get that obviously some brewers don't like it, um, how honest some people are. But I think it's great just as an information source um, for beers. Just, you know, to have every single beer on there from your, you know, the Belgian brewer, for example. I think oh, this is only the second time anyone's going to check this in when I check this in later it's still on there um it just never fails to amaze me how much info there is on there um so yeah i've just gone with the flow um gone to a lot of breweries over the years both sort of traditional and more of the modern ones up and coming obviously been listening to your podcast for a while now and for obviously you're quite local to me as well so it's um network with a few other essex and Hertfordshire drinkers right cool thanks for that simon yesterday should have been uh, the summer sesh in, in, in Birmingham. Um, but unfortunately, due to the situation that we're in, that was cancelled. Um, so us being us, decided we'd replace it with uh, an online version uh, last night, didn't we, Martin? We did. We did. And I must admit, it was such good fun that I am still very tired today. It was, it was a very good night. Um, massive thank you to every single person that joined us on one of the two sessions. Um, your music choices were fantastic that, that you, you gave us for the jukebox. Um, we had that playing all night. We occasionally had people singing along to, to the tracks as they, were going, as they were going along as well. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Rob Edwards. <laughs> yeah, was a particular highlight of mine. Um, yes, Rob, he was Rob definitely getting into it. Singing to himself. 
Um, but no, it was it was a good evening. And, and like I said, we are grateful for everyone joining in with the spirit of that. If you do want to uh, check out that playlist, uh, the Somerset Jukebox, there'll be a link in the show notes to the playlist that's on Spotify. So you can go and you can have a look at everybody's choices and listen to that. Um, but no, we, we had, a, had a really good time last night, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, we did it slightly different to last time. We had the previous times, rather than having four one-hour sessions, we were the last session definitely going over the hour. We split it into two two-hour sessions. Um, I know you and I left before midnight. We have heard since, uh, between then and recording, that some people were on there considerably longer than us. Half past three, I hear it eventually finished for some people. I was long asleep by that point. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> but no it was good fun really enjoyed it the the musical theme was really good fun people putting their backdrops in as well on the zoom um yeah it was a really good way of spending an evening and i thought at the end of it i couldn't believe how quickly the five hours plus had gone yeah when all, I'd gone. Done was, when all i'd done was sit down in front of the screen yeah really really is quite odd how quickly it can go that, that can only be testament to the company we had it's, it's also quite odd, odd how quickly the beers go as, as, as well when you're just well, drinking. There's no check and balance. You only have to reach to left or right of where you're sitting. Yeah. There's no queuing at a bar for that, is there? No, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, now, Simon, you, you couldn't join us last night because you were involved in, um, was it Cyberfest 2 you were involved in last night? That's right, yeah. So this was run by uh, Beer52, um, the beer distributor. Um, as you say, yeah, it's the second time they've done it now. They did one back in April. Um, and basically they're claiming that it's the sort of first online beer festival ever. Um, and they send out a pack of 12 beers, the same 12 beers to about, I think it's about two or 3,000 people in total were taking part last night. Um, and then play a video on YouTube, um, lasts for four hours where they do Q and A's with the brewers that feature in your pack, uh, have entertainment from musicians, comedians, um, have a pub quiz going throughout the night. Uh, it's quite, it's good fun. Um, I think they are talking about doing a third one later in the summer. So I would recommend people to watch out for that. Um, yeah, it's good value as well. I think it worked out about 35 pounds, uh, for the 12 beers. Um, and they've, get some pretty good breweries involved in the first Cyberfest. It was mainly UK orientated. And then last night's one was actually more of a European focus. So breweries from the likes of Germany, Austria, Spain, Netherlands. Um, so I got to try a few new breweries actually last night, which was a bit different. So yeah, it's a good shame I couldn't join you guys. It sounded like a, a good night for you, but um, we both had fun at our separate events, I guess. Yeah, cool. £35 for a night out isn't too bad, is it? Yeah, it works out well. And like I say, they you do know that you're going to get good quality um, with those guys. As I'll probably mention in a minute, um, there were a couple of stonkers in there, I thought. Well, go go for it, mate. T yeah. t tell us go what the standout beers were. Okay, well, the one um, real standout from last night um, was one from, get this right, I think it's Brewsto Mosto, um, a Polish brewer. I don't know if either of you have come across that before. Um, and it was a nitro vanilla Tonka Baltic Porter um, coming in at 9.1%, I believe that was. Um, loads of Tonka beans in there, very chocolatey. I suppose you could compare it maybe to Tonkoko uh, from Brew York. Um, they just had a bit more extra punch. It was so sweet, so velvety. Um, it was just like really a dessert 
beer in a way um but it's right up there for me with the best beers i've ever had to be honest with you um so yeah keep an eye out for that one i think it's just sort of coming to the uk now um that brewery so what you what any standouts for you steve recently a few from last night actually a few from the summer sesh so first of all um i'm going to go with uh, a collective of four beers um all from leon c brewery um who have started canning their beers recently and i had their that their first four canned releases last night which was the legra pale owl the two tree island red owl um the cockerow spit west coast style ipa and then the crowstone black ipa and all of them were absolutely stunning um just like condition perfect condition in the can um full of flavor and, and all of them had this beautiful kind of balanced bitterness at, 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 on the end of them exactly exactly what i'm looking for in those sorts of beers so it's, it's great that they've they've transferred their, their beers and, and they're now into cans and obviously quite successfully as well um so, so they were good that i really enjoyed those last night yeah i mean i've tried uh, the only one from the can that you mentioned there but i haven't tried recently it's a two tree um, but i mean i've had that on bottles and on cast before but the other three cans i had as part of our bottle share last last week and um i completely agree with you with the conditioning it definitely again like a few other people we've mentioned recently like cheshire brew house and elusive the conditioning really puts me in mind of the cast beer with all three of those perfect yeah. been really perfect. good really well balanced real sessionable feel about them good mouthfeel i've just got a bit of a gripe about everyone doing 440s yeah but i, I don't think that's going anywhere I know, but unless I'm sharing, 440s is actually still quite a lot. Uh, it's probably one of the reasons I'm feeling tired today, because I did do a few 440s last night, and the 440s tended to be quite big beers. I mean, my, I, I did a lot of 440s last night as well. One that wasn't 440, um, that I do just want to mention as, as well, is the Sierra Nevada Hazy Little Thing, which, is, which has just appeared in, in Tesco. Um, I thought I'd give that a try, uh, not necessarily style wise for me the sort of beer i'd normally go for but obviously we mentioned on a show oh, a good few months ago now about how this beer has become sierra nevada's second top selling yeah. beer after behind the, behind the pale ale it's yeah. gone above tornado and stuff like that isn't it yeah so when i saw it i thought you know what let's give it a go uh because normally when the americans do kind of the the, the new england leaning style they they, they don't tend to um, maybe be as sweet as 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 we get when the, the, the UK breweries do them, and and it was it, you know what it was spot on, it was um, it was it was light, it was just full of flavour, all the flavours were really soft in there as well, and then it did have a, a a nice subtle bitterness on the finish as well, so it's I, I can see that very much becoming a bit of a fridge filler over the summer for me because at four point six percent. It's kind of exactly what you want. It's kind of almost the first beer of the day. It's probably quite a good idea because Sierra Nevada, their other sessionable beer is the uh, California IPA, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's under 5% as well. But it's quite good to have, you know, as much as I love Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, it is above the 5%, which does sometimes means as quickly as you can drink those and as easy as they are to drink, you, you can feel it a bit quicker than if you're having saying 1% less. And you didn't take too long drinking the hazy little thing last night, did you? No, I flew through that. 
that was that was really really enjoyable um and then just the last one i want to mention um again uh, a recent purchase from tesco uh, was the buxton storm shadow eight and a half percent imperial stout uh just absolutely bang on in in terms of an imperial stout um no adjuncts no no silliness in there just a straight up stout all the roastedness um, with a huge, big, roasty bit of finish. Just absolutely delicious. And for, for 350 a can in Tesco, you, you, you're not really going too far wrong with that at the moment. Uh, completely agree. I also uh, did some essential shopping at Tesco recently. And um, I picked up one of these because I thought Buxton style, £3.50. I'm not sure I can go too far wrong with that. And I can't add, there's nothing I can add to that apart from that, those the dark chocolate notes that you get as well. But yes, straight up stout, nothing added to it. Just goes to show a bit like uh, Magic Rock Dark Arts. Just sometimes you can just make a stout without adding anything to it. Yeah. And it's still just as good. Um, the only other beer I want to mention is um, also from Buxton, also from Tesco. Um, it was the King Slayer, uh, which was there. <sighs> Double New England IPA, it's been described as. I mean, it definitely had um, that sort of murky haze to it. Um, but, I mean, I found it very fruity, had a very full mouthfeel, but it didn't have that sort of raw heartburn, maybe slightly savoury note going on. And um, didn't. It, it felt really well balanced. And, you know, for the, again, decent percentage on that one, um, 8%. It didn't drink like an eight percent beer. Would easily be. I would easily have chucked it in at six percent, say for example. But again, three pound fifty for that from Tesco. I mean, I I didn't think I would see those kind of beers in, in Tesco. Maybe for some breweries, the current situation has accelerated their plans about getting their beers as to wider audience as possible, and a supermarket allows you to do that. Um, and I certainly had no problems about the conditioning of it or ambient temperature or anything like that. So I've got another couple in the cupboard of the Kingslayer and the Storm Shadow. Two cracking beers from Buxton and I haven't had Buxton recently, so it's quite nice to revisit them. That's great to hear. Um, let's jump in to some of the news that we've got this week. So first up um, is the report on a poll that's recently been conducted by YouGov and the International Alliance for Responsible Drinking on Alcohol. Um, and they've polled around 11,000 people across nine countries um, during the lockdown period uh, to essentially find out drinking habits and, and what's been happening with people's drinking. Uh, the results that they found are that 84% of drinkers are drinking the same or less amount of alcohol during lockdown, with almost one in three people um, around 30% saying they're drinking less or have stopped altogether. Um, of 11% drinking more, 72% plan to revert to old drinking habits. And 54% of people miss socialising and dining out at restaurants or bars. Um, there is concern remaining for the 5% of drinkers who said their drinking has led to more problems. Now, Seba um, commented on this. Um, so James Calder, the chief executive, um, said, whilst enjoying an independent craft beer at home is something that more people than ever have been able to do during lockdown, thanks to direct 
deliveries from local breweries and independent retailers. I am not surprised that overall the amount of alcohol being consumed across the UK has dropped over recent months. We are a sociable nation at heart, and whilst a glass of something flavoursome at home can be hugely rewarding, it does not compare to a freshly poured independent brewed beer served in a welcoming pub or bar. And this data, supported by the recent Cantar data, shows that, that is what people are missing the most. So it, it, it does seem as though, dis, despite what we may be seeing on, on social media, that generally it seems that, that most people are drinking about the same as they were previously. Yeah, and I think we discussed this before, and I'm probably drinking about the same. I'm just consuming it in a different way now. Obviously, it's all at home. I'm sort of being a bit choosy about where I'm spending my money. Um, but I think the net result is probably about the same. I may be having a few stronger beers more often because I haven't got to worry about trains or something like that, perhaps. But I'd say it's roughly the same. Next story, uh, once again, Manchester-based. Um, about another Manchester bar that is looking at ways that it can reopen in. Now, this is a venue called the Atlas Bar, um, which I believe is in Deansgate area of Manchester. Um, and it's got one of the biggest gin selections in, in the city. Uh, it's looking at how it can introduce certain um, things to make the pub going experience safe uh, if, if and when they, that they reopen. So some of the things they're introducing are um, you won't be allowed to stand to, to drink. It will have to be seated drinking only. They're going to install mirrors um, around corners so people can see whether there's somebody coming around the corner. Um, and they're also going to introduce an, an, an app which will not only be used to place orders for drinks, um, but will also be used to request to use the toilet. Now, I know over the past few weeks, we've been, that's one of the things that we've been saying is nobody's thinking about the toilets and, and, and the toilet situation. But it seems as though um, this particular bar is, is maybe using technology, come up with a way of maybe making going to the toilet a bit safer. It's good. Well, firstly, it's good that they're thinking about it. You know, if we talk, you know, if we're talking specifically about the toilets, the mirrors around corners, um, I think it's very inventive, to be honest. It's not something I would have suggested. And even the, um, you know, the, the official spokesperson for the various pub industries, Mr. Mark Johnson, I don't think that his safety advice has included mirrors either. So I think it's, I think that's really quite cool. Um, so again, but it's sort of, um, it's going to feel very office. Because um, I, I imagine some of these things will be also what offices and buildings uh, other spaces where people have to work with putting in place just for manoeuvring yourself around. Um, sounds a bit cold, doesn't it? Sterile. I, I yeah. Think, yeah. Um, yeah think, maybe it needs to be for, for now. Yeah. Well, I think we said that before. There's, it's going to be different. It's not going to be the same as it was. I mean, what, what's, your, what's your thinking, Simon? Well, I mean, one of the things I was going to pick up that from that article was the fact that even with all these initiatives, which all, you know, it sounds great what they're thinking about as you say they will still only be operating at I think it's about 20% of their normal capacity I'm actually an accountant by day uh, the first thing that I think of there is sort of the numbers and I think she acknowledges herself uh, the owner in that piece that they are going to struggle they will need the customers to come back and obviously purchase some fairly big ticket items to make it work because from the numbers point of view you've only got 20% of your normal capacity, is it worth you opening? Um, are you going to make a profit on that for one? And then the second, 
point which I think came up last week on your opinions quite a lot was the atmosphere that that will lead to. So if you think of a buzzing bar in Deansgate, I've had a couple of nights out up in Manchester before, um, but just imagining it only at 20% capacity, is are people actually going to enjoy that atmosphere? Obviously it's fine with friends, but one of the reasons you go out is to have that buzz when you're in the pub, that buzz of the noise all around you. I think it's almost going to turn pubs into libraries in a way, for just people having their own sort of fairly quiet conversations at tables, maybe only in small groups of friends, if that's still the guidelines at that point. Um, but personally, if they can make it work, if they can make money out of it, then I think they are right to give it a go. The, the one thing that we're going to need to consider in this is that they're, 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 certainly from a beer perspective, they're actually going to need the beer available to drink. That leads quite nicely on to uh, the next news story, which is um, from the British Beer and Pub Association, um, who have called on the government to um, basically either give the green light for opening pubs again, or at least put a date out there. Because what they're saying is that basically breweries need a minimum of three weeks, but ideally four weeks notice to actually start producing enough beer to go into pubs. Uh, again yeah i mean i mean I, i'm guessing that some of the very big uh, brewers could probably you know if we're thinking about who we spoke about recently carlsberg for example they can probably ramp up production pretty easily and get that get that moving because of the scale of their operation but if you're thinking more of the regional brewers the micro brewers and even nano breweries people who do supply maybe independent pubs then yeah and the pubs need time as well don't they Yes. The pubs need yeah. the time to work out what they're going to do, how they're going to manage it, are they going to open, and therefore, okay, if we're going to open, who can we order beer from? And especially those pubs that are, you know, like the Vic, like uh, the Ale House, who have a number of independent lines for their cast beers, that's what people go there for. So they want to know they can still sell them. So you do need to do a date. I mean, I know that we've got uh, the 4th of July is mooted as the earliest for things like personal care, like nails, hair, and hospitality has been the earliest, but I think you probably do, even if you don't tell us, the great British public, um, but the industry itself does need the heads up. They can't just, it's not, it's not like light switch, is it? No, and, and you think that the work that CBRA have been doing in, in terms of lobbying government over a number of issues, you, you would hope that government notify the industry's representative body so that they can at least let their members know that you know we are looking at this date so actually you need to start thinking about production fairly soon i mean that'd be very joined up thinking which unfortunately hasn't always been evident um during this particular crisis uh, but it's what common sense would dictate um so let's let's see what happens but it'd be good for them to have a direction it also give them a lift as well won't it it'll get yeah. It'll give the industry a lift, both at the front end with the pubs and bars and restaurants, but the people behind it, like the breweries and stuff. While we've been chatting about the news there, I've come to the end of my first drink. Um, I, I think from what, watching you guys enjoying yours as well, I think ev everyone's got an empty glass in front of them. Uh, Simon, any final thoughts on the um, beer that you was drinking there? Yeah, so it's a lovely blonde. I mean, obviously today, um, looking out my window now, I've actually had a pretty miserable day of rain. Um, I'd imagine it's a bit better suited to sunny days around the barbecue and in the park. Um, but 
it's still still nice. Five point eight percent. I think that's one of the lighter beers um, from this brewery. Fun enough, um, but it was a bit different to what I normally have. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely go for it again. I think. Excellent, Martin. Um, I did really enjoy mine. If I'm being honest, um, it is described as a like a a bock of some kind. And the most recent uh, Bok-inspired beer I had was from Utopian, the Rainbok. And I thought that was super smashable, bags of flavour, really refreshing. And this is described as a lager style, but I wasn't really feeling lagerish when I was drinking it. And I wasn't really, I was hoping to get more of the lemon and lime um, as I went through it and as it warmed up a little bit. That didn't really come to the fore for me. It's just a little bit out of kilter. Probably not unpleasant, and I'm sure a lot of people will enjoy it, but it just didn't tick many boxes for me, unfortunately. I'm with you a little bit, actually. I didn't enjoy mine either. I didn't enjoy the cream ale. Uh, it didn't get any better as, as, as it warmed. Um, there was a, a little bit more smoothness coming through, but it was very floral, uh, maybe a little bit herbal as, as, as well. Um, and just um, the, 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 the flavours didn't really seem to be working and, and, and complementing one another, which is, uh, which is a shame because I did have quite high hopes for that. Um, but it, it just on this occasion, this wasn't for me. Yeah, because didn't we quite enjoy their, their pale ale or their English bitter? There was some, one of theirs. I've enjoyed all of the beers that they've, yeah. they, they've been gener gen generous enough to send to us over the last couple of months. Um, yeah, it's, it's a shame. Like I said, maybe this one maybe needs a bit more time in the can. I don't know. But um, like I said, just didn't quite hit the mark. And it sounds like you're fairly much of an opinion with your one as well. So um, well, you can't, you're not always going to get a hit with everyone, are you? With every that's, beer. Yeah, that's true. And, and we, we are trying quite a different range of styles from them as well. Yes, yes, definitely. You're probably not, not sure either of these are ones we'd pick up necessarily. So that's quite good. So what have you got, Rick, coming up next, Steve? Because we've actually decided just to go into our stash. Kind of. Um, but I was, given, I was given this yesterday. Um, so I've got from East London Brewing Co. Um, All City Poet, which is a dry hopped lager uh, at 5%. It's, it's their latest release and it was given to me by a friend of the show, Matt Chinnery, who, who also works for East London Brewing. Okay, that's cool. Be interested to hear what, what that's like. So I enjoyed their couple of recent offerings with the IPA and the um, lager. Um, I've, got the, I've got another supermarket beer, actually, and this is probably a beer I wouldn't have expected to see in a supermarket once. It's the um, Brewdog Overworks Cosmic Raspberry. 3.30 bottle, and it was £2.50. Uh, Simon, what, what are you on for your second beer? Uh, I'm actually going to one of the breweries that I did mention earlier. Um, it's a pressure drop, Lorikeet. So it's a New England IPA, single hopped with Galaxy. Um, so hopefully this will live up to expectation. Well, well should we all find out? Mm. Yeah, let's. Cheers. Cheers, cheers everyone. Uh, my, my one's like Haribo's, uh, a raspberry sour edge to it, but it's really zingy. That sort of zinginess you'd get when you're having those sort of um, sour, sour sweets. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I actually wish this was a little bit colder now, so that it warmed up rather than being at the set. Sort of at the right temperature now. It would have been quite nice to have it cold and see how it developed. But at £2.50, it's a steal, I have to admit. This... Um, this all city poet is delicious. It's um, it's got this big kind of citrus and tropical burst of flavour going on, and then it's got this cutting, dry, crisp finish that you'd expect from a lager. 
um, which is exactly what it, it says on the tin as, as well. So it's um, an easy drinking lager, dry hopped with Citra Pacific Jade, Jade and Motueka for the full tropical fruit, fruit flavour of an IPA, but with the crisp, bitter finish of a lager. And they've absolutely nailed that with, with, with that. That's, that's really, really tasty, really refreshing. Uh, Simon, how's the, how's the pressure drop? Yeah, really good. Um, I don't know if you guys can see that. It's real hazy, sort of juice bomb of a beer, as you'd expect from them. Just all those tropical notes that you would expect, sort of the passion fruit and the mango, those sort of fruits coming through. Um, yeah, really delicious 6.8 percent so probably a bit strong um for a sort of more than one um but one can is ideal i'm well, glad you enjoyed it though so that that's good i think we've, we're, we're all enjoying beer number two then yeah. um, so while, while we are working our way through uh this second beer let's get into this week's question opinions 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 Opinions. which was uh what information do you bef- prefer on a bottle or a can so this was a suggestion that was made by a friend of the show mark johnson um and we had three options which was keep it simple uh which came in at 26 percent. we had basic uh ingredients etc came in at 43.3 percent and then war and peace which came in at 30.7 percent we had 515 votes on this one uh let's get into some of the comments before we add our views on this one so first up from guzzler at lagging underscore boat as a home brewer i want to know as much information as possible yeast malt bill and hops if i weren't a home brewer then i would be much less bothered and would be happy just to see what hops were used now that's a comment that was echoed by quite a lot of people actually um agent volatile uh saisons in the abyss at ad goodrich uh homebrew rich at rich swin and matt Calaby at Calaby matt um then from rob edwards at uh rob edwards 90 i like knowing the exact ingredients i want to know which malt hops and yeast are used unless there is a reason for them being kept secret and from uh julie o'grady at julie underscore o'grady Clear ingredients, including all adjuncts, flavour profile, ABV, is it fined, unfined, media info or website if I want to check further. Some have too much on the can and bottle, so it looks busy. Uh, from James at James Moosh, ingredients, particularly adjuncts, bottle on date is a must. I don't bother reading tasting notes, I can make my own mind up. From Tim Guest at Guest909, quite simply here, I always like to know the strain of hop. And then from Andrew Sheldon at Tavare Fan Club, the simpler the better. I'm only really interested in the style or a brief description if it doesn't fit a style and perhaps any additional ingredients. I don't need to know the 12 grains and 17 hops used, although I can understand some people wanting to know if a beer is single hop. From Stu Chant at Chant Stew. For me, I just want clear information. All the artwork and cans, all the artwork on cans and bottles is great, but I want to see brewery, style, substyle if necessary, and ABV without searching. I'm happy with War and Peace if I know the basics without even touching the receptacle. And from Simon Webster at Bees Boy, breweries who expect to sell their beers in fridges in bars, especially behind the bar, need to make the style clearer slash bigger. I'll take a chance on a new beer, but too many times I look at a fridge of unknowns. If it's a busy night, staff don't always have time to help. From Alexander at Teal Brewer, 
ABV, beer name, brewery name and logo. If it's an IPA, which style it falls into too. And then similar to that from Brian Les at Brian Lees. IPA is such a broad term. IBUs ranging from 20 to 200. I'm lucky enough as I have a fair idea what I'm buying, but it's very off-putting for people trying to get into craft beer when they don't like bitter or hazy or whatever. And staying on the IBU theme from Johnny Beer Boy at Johnny Beer Boy. I feel like you used to see IBU a lot more on packaging. And now I'd say 70% of the beers I get, I can't find the IBUs on package or online. As someone who likes bitterness, it's nice to know. And from Paul Bamforth at gmail underscore gaze, you can keep the 12 stanza poem and essay on the brewery, but I like to see the IBU malts and hops. From John Stanley, Stanley at Brewmere River. For me, ingredients preferably listing the malts, hops and yeast strain, etc. If the container has a brew dog style marketing paragraph or the brewer's philosophy on life, then I lose interest quite quickly. From Hamatef at Gregor underscore J underscore. Quite like a wee story if it's a special release, but I don't want to go hunting for my specs either. Simon Clark at Simon Carbon. I voted War and Peace. The more info, the better. I always love copious sleeve notes with albums and I like my beer packaged the same way. A lot of info, I mean, not in a cardboard sleeve. <laughs> so I quite like that. And at last, but very much not least, um, our Poet Laureate for the show, Miles Lambert. It's about personality. It's an opportunity to get across a message. It's an opportunity to show the brewery's true character. It's about connecting with its customers. If a brewery feels most comfortable with minimal info, great. If they want to be creative, great. Some absolutely fantastic comments there this week. And, and as always, loads of comments on this one. Uh, there, there, there is this questions in the show notes. There's a, there's a link through, you can click on it, you can look at the question uh, and you can look at all the responses as well. Um, but what, what are our views on, on, on this one? So, uh, Simon, as our guest, um, what's, what, what's your view on, on, on this one? What do you like to see on a can or, or a bottle? I think I voted down the middle, um, just with, uh, the sort of the basic ingredients, etc. I do, um, I have got into hops a lot more, uh, in recent times. I think one of the things that I want to do actually once we're out of lockdown is maybe start um, sitting on sort of tasting panels uh, for my local camera branch and things like that. So I'm trying to gain a bit of an understanding of the flavours that certain hops bring out. Um, so that's quite a big one for me. I think a couple of points just to pick up on um, really good comments, I thought, there from um, a lot of different opinions as well. I think the one about IBU is quite interesting. Um, I think whether you're a fan of IBU or uh, like bitter beers or not you do want to see that information I think that's maybe something that they should think about making compulsory even on the beer because it is just the number after all like ABV and one that I've actually found to be more important again during lockdown is the bottled on date um, because some of the breweries are turning around beer orders so quickly um, I think the one that stands out for me I ordered a box from Brew by Numbers in Bermondsey some of the beers that I received had actually been bottled the day before. I'd never seen that before. So I actually had to crack open that beer that night because I thought I've probably never tasted a can or bottle this fresh before. Obviously I can't compare it to anything, but it just, you could tell it tasted fresh. It was almost like drinking it straight out of the like little brewery kit itself. Personally, bottled on date, I think is 
maybe one that they could introduce. Just yeah. just to pick up on one of your points mm. there, particularly the, the, the point around the IBUs, that's that, that's an interesting one because mm. being somebody that in, enjoys a more bitter beer, more bitter IPA, I'd, I'd certainly like to see that information. I mean, I know I know some of the beers on, on Untapped will tell you what the IBU is, but that's very much dependent on the brewery having inputted that information into it. Um, the, the other point that I want to pick up on from, from those comments is um, I think it was somebody that made the comment around uh, if it's an IPA, which type of, of IPA as, as well. And, and for me at the moment, that is an absolute must. I, I want to know if it's if it's an if you've only advertised it as an IPA, but it's a New England style IPA. I want to know that on the packaging because I don't want to be personally, and, and this is obviously just my view. I don't want to be wasting my money on a beer that I'm not going to enjoy because you haven't told me on the label what type of beer it is. Yeah, I mean I think that's fair, and I would sort of be similar to that especially with the ipa and i think someone did say um and sub style that's probably the comment you're referring to as well ipa we now know that people do distinguish their type of ipas i mean even the uh beer you referenced earlier steve from leon c um says it's a american style so at least they're giving you a hint of where they're going with the type of beer i would like to see ibus uh i quite like the malts uh, and the hops stuff. I don't really need the description. Um, I don't need the poetry and and the spiel about the actual brewery itself. Um, if I'm that interested, I will. I can go and look it up, and there'll be usually on your homepage on the website will be your story, your history. Save it for there. Um, so yeah, keep. I, I think keep it simple. I think sometimes you can get a bit too carried away with the artwork as well, and you actually then have forgotten perhaps to tell me what sort of beer it is give, give us i think give us the basics and f for me it's, it's it's interesting that considering it was mark that suggested this as a question he didn't actually answer it so mark we do want to hear your views so uh, you know we, we can include it in bittering lingerness next time so let's hear your your views on it well we're not not just marks and anyone like like I say, you know, um, let us know your thoughts on this. You use the hashtag opinions uh, and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. So first up from Stay at Home Maguire at Maguire Mike. Um, I don't know if you guys picked up on this. Similar to the fitness app issues a few years ago. Uh, if you're in the military, don't check in when having a beer in a sensitive area. Simples. And what he did, he linked us through to um, a news article about um, a, a journalist that had done some investigations using Untapped. Um, and check-ins and whether and, and where the check-ins were from and and by filtering the data in the users he was able to identify the precise location of a military site which hosts a co covert CIA training facility called Camp Peary and then showed how it could be used to track individual users movements around the world now that that's just amazing that People are that stupid, don't you yeah, think? You know, I think you have to remember what sort of industry you're in, and you know, it's a, it, you know, it's no no different to people who work in certain industries won't advertise certain things, and you know, it's told to you about keeping certain bits of the information 
uh, either private or very discreet. Um, it's just obviously something they haven't, <coughs> they haven't thought about. I've, I've often wondered what would happen if I ever had to go on the run and people would just track me down because I wouldn't be able to not use Untapped. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, just, I just found that, I found that crazy, though, though that by, by using un, Untapped, this, this journalist was able to discover a covert facility. Next up from Johnny Beerboy at Johnny Beerboy, another great snippet for the commute to work, lads. Might have stumbled upon something that might be worth discussing or not in my tweet about tastes, taste descriptors in beer yesterday. Now, the tweet he was referring to was a, a tweet that he put out saying, beer confession number 731. I've never eaten passion fruit, guava or lychee. So when people say the beer contains those flavours, I just go, cool. It did yeah. make me chuckle. It, 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 <laughs> I did, had to admit. Um, it I mean, we, we, tried, we did that show a little about a year ago or more, didn't we? Where we purposely ate certain foods that are used often as descriptors uh, in beers uh, just to see if it did compare so to speak um, I mean I have tried all of the ones he's mentioned but not regularly and not for a while so yeah I mean I, I, it did it did make me chuckle I think there was, great, there was a great reply to it from Katie at Shiny Biscuit, who, yeah. among, among other things, said, um, yeah, don't worry about it. If a beer tastes like strawberry Haribos, say it tastes like strawberry Haribos. You, you know, you don't always have to say that you're getting what the, the, the brewery is necessarily describing on the can. Yeah, it's, what, it's what's the thing you can liken it to. And, I, you know, like when I had the Cosmic Raspberry, I went straight for like the sour Haribos, didn't I, as a reference point? Yeah. Because quite obviously, I've had more Haribos than I have had passion fruit, guava or light cheese. From Elusive Brewing at Elusive Brew. Cheers, guys. Very flattered by Martin's comments likening Shadow to some of the Colonel's dark hoppy numbers. We always aim for balanced drinkability in our core beers with cask in mind first and foremost. Uh, thanks, Andy, for listening and coming back with that. It's always appreciated. And from Pete at Hops and Hoops. Just finished. Great listen. Should have picked something by Lou Reed for the outro song. Dear, oh dear. Yeah, I, I didn't get that straight away. It took me a while and then I was like, oh, grum. <laughs> From Mark Johnson at Mark M. Johnson. Great SNM chat as always. Winky emoji. Uh, definitely enjoying hearing opinions on pubs reopening. I'm curious to know what Steve would have thought had he not been pre-warned about Sabro. Would you have put it down to a hop, dismiss the beer as not for you or something else? And I mean that for any Sabro beer, not just the elusive ones. I ask because I don't think I'm susceptible to disliking any particular hop, but maybe I've dismissed beers before without realising it was a specific hop variety I don't get on with. Now, this is interesting, Mark, what, what you, you, you say here, because uh, a few weeks back when we featured the Signature Brew Nightingale on, on the show, yep. um, we basically uh, forgot to start recording that week when we first tried that beer and what you missed um was the revelation of me drinking it and saying oh that really tastes like tropical squash i'm really not so sure about that and the revelation that martin knew there was sabro in it and hadn't told me um so i did pick up on the qualities that i didn't like without knowing there was sabro in that beer unfortunately because I didn't hit the record button at the beginning of the, the, the podcast, uh, that will never get heard. Um, no, that's, that's been lost, but I, I can vouch for that. I, I had uh, noticed when I was doing my little bit of background research on those beers, but there was Sabro hops in it. I 
decided on this occasion, uh, much for the reasons that Mark has suggested there, not to mention it, but yeah, I, and I think Steve did sort of quite early on when he was sort of uh, talking about it, did hint at some of those aromas and flavours that we've started to associate with the Sabro Hot. And I, I, would, I would echo again, but I think for me, it's easier for me to pick up on something I don't like rather than something I do like. Um, so hopefully, Mark, that, that answers the question. Uh, I, it's, it's the characteristics of the hop that I don't like. And I, and I think actually, after now trying a few beers of it in, I think I could probably pick those out of, of, of any beer um, and, and probably still dislike it, actually. Next up from Bob Maxfield at Bob Maxfield. Due to not needing to commute, I'm finding different ways to listen to my podcasts. Just had Steve and Martin in the shower with me this morning. Uh, yeah, I, Bob, uh, you're a good friend. There's some things you don't need to share with us, mate. Some <laughs> things you don't need to share with us. From John Rogers at JM Rogers 2000. Hi, just enjoying your latest podcast on my daily 8,000 step walk between the garage and the side gate. In reality, 18 steps. Shielding here, so very grateful to Mallinson's who have stretched their local delivery, delivery area to fit me in. So much safer than a national delivery. I mean, that's, re that's really good of them to do that, isn't it? To yeah. uh, accommodate in that way. Um, Irish beer snob, another nice snippet while driving down the M40. Irish pubs that serve food are reopening at the end of the month. However, similar here, not a huge amount of talking through the toilets. Normal pubs shortly after. Great topics as usual. The description of that place in Manchester sounds so sterile and the antithesis of the pub and visiting. Which I think we sort of said at the time, didn't we, that this could be, if you want to go to the pub, this could be the new acceptance levels. And, and something that we've, we've spoken about again tonight, about the sterile atmosphere. And, and something yeah. as well that carries on through in this next comment, so from Craig Henderson at the MCR Smoggy, another great show, guys. You're highlighting a really big issue about toilets in pubs when they reopen. Before lockdown, some blokes used to struggle to even wash their hands. So I won't be comfortable on relying on others to have a sanitized to have sanitized the toilet after they've used it. Also, a lot of the measures being talked about, such as screens and seating, are designed to distance you from other groups of drinkers. I mainly go drinking with friends, so we'll need the restriction on households mixing mixings be relaxed for any of those measures to work. And and I think again that just highlights that it's not just a case of let's reopen pubs on the 4th of July. It's a case of there are a lot of things that need to be in place before we can even think about opening pubs on the 4th of July. And then final comment from Miles Lambert at Miles Lambert. Another great show, lads. Totally agree that we're facing a new reality and our best guess that the, uh, what that reality will look like changes every day. I can't quite get my head around, say, how the Crown Posada, for example, will operate. But you know, people are resilient and innovative and somehow, some way, they will find a way to make life work again. And I think it's a good point. And I think everyone um, who listens to the show um, will have a place in mind that they will go, I'm not sure how they're going to do it. Um, well, that's what we've been encouraging people to do, isn't it? The, the, the discussions that we're having apply that to your local or to a place that you go to drink and, and see if it's going to work there for you. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I, there's plenty of places I can picture in my head, but I'm still struggling with. And it probably sort of links into our, to our one question. Questions, questions, fill my head. From uh, Richard Taylor at Rich Taylor 1608. What would your thoughts be on reducing social distancing to one metre? That distance would allow pubs to have more customers for the financial boost, but it could also stop people going to the pub due to fear. 
hubs are between a rock and a hard place, whatever happens. Well, first of all, uh, Simon, as our, as our guest drinker, what's your thoughts on the actual question? Again, I think it would be good. Obviously, like many people who probably listen to this podcast, I have missed the pubs, but if the one metre rule allows people to see friends again um, at a safe distance, then I think that's great because country does need a bit of a boost right now. Um, but I think it will be a struggle for pub owners. I think there are a lot of people still fairly fearful out there um, of going out into the public domain, as you say. Um, toilets, things like that um, could be an issue. Personally, I'd, I'd probably give it a go. I'd, I'd go back out there and support the local businesses if they do open. What, what's your thoughts, Steve, about the meter? Oh, I, I think I'm going to refer back to something that we've possibly said before, that seeing as a nation that we've struggled to stick to the two meters, uh, at times um relaxing that to, to one meter almost feels as like that would be giving free reign to just go back to how we were three four months ago um i think practically um it's not going to change any of the issues that that, that, that pubs and bars are facing at the moment in terms of reopening they've, they've still got to look at distancing and and how they do that um Possibly all it's doing is maybe increasing their income because it may mean you can have a percentage more people in. But I just think at the moment, I think the focus needs to be on opening safely in a way that reassures people that are going to that venue that they are going to be safe. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd agree with you about the first thing. Um, a lot, you know, there's been a, definitely a uh, percentage of people within the country who have struggled to understand the two metre rule and I do wonder if the reason why the government is sticking to two metres is because they know that people can't for whatever reason aren't sticking to two metres so at least you, you end up at the one metre by default. I would love it if you could guarantee a metre and it means that more places can open and more places can make the income. Safety is the first issue and I think some places will probably still look at it and say we can't do this safely right now. Doesn't matter what measures we put in place, we can't do it. There'll be some people, as you refer to Simon, who will say we can do it, but financially it's not a viable proposition. There's no point. And there will be places that think they can do it, but even so, it's gonna be the, it's, I want it to work. I just can't picture how this new reality will look but it's certain for anyone who thinks it's going to be like it was prior to mid-March, then they're, they're not living in the real world. It will not be like that for some time to come. And if you end up in a place which is like that, you probably would want to leave. Great question from, from Rich there. Um, if, if anybody does have any questions, again, use that hashtag opinions and we'll find it and we'll ask it on the show. I think, again, from what I've been seeing, everybody has reached the, the, the bottom of their glasses. So uh, probably time for a quick quiz round to get some final thoughts on the beers that we've been enjoying. Um, Simon, uh, again, as our guest, uh, please uh, feel free to share your thoughts on, 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 on the pressure drop that you've just been drinking. I'm, I'm still going at it, actually. It's quite, um, quite heavy going for a Sunday night, but it's delicious. It's not one that you want to gulp down. You want to savour it because of sort of the tropical flavours um, that it brings. But yeah, as I say, um, just what you would expect from those guys, really. I think it's really good. Um, I think it's out there um, at the moment, so I'd recommend giving it a try. Fantastic. And what, what was the name of it again? 
It's uh, called Lorikeet, which is apparently a Australian parrot. Martin, how was your overworks? I, can't I loved it. Bit, sorry. I loved it. So the cosmic raspberry, oak aged sour, I should have added earlier. And interestingly, on the side of the label, this beer has its ABV, the original gravity, the IBUs, the serving temperature and the fermentation period. All, all the basic details. Yeah, especially for this kind of beer as well, which, you know, um, I think people like to know how long these beers have been fermenting in the barrels, given the nature of the beer. Four and a half percent beer packed full of those fruity flavours. It does have a sour tart edge to it. I didn't get I enjoyed it. I would have a second one if I had another one in the fridge. It was it was perfect, actually, today. And it was uh, everything it said it was going to do. It did. So I really Excellent. enjoyed it. Two pound, and like I said, I know I'm banging on about it, but £2.50, can't go too far wrong with that. Great, great value. Yeah. Yeah. The All City Poet from East London Brewing Company, absolutely delicious. Um, it, it kind of drained out of my glass really quickly. Um, really drinkable, uh, lovely bitterness on the finish. Um, if, if I was pushed to say, have I just drunk a lager? Or have I just drunk an IPA? I'm, I'm not sure I'd be able to distinguish between the two didn't really feel overly lagery to me you know drinkable enough um really enjoyable beer uh really grateful to to, to matt for for sharing that and with that we're, we're coming in on on the end of the show so simon thank you so much for joining us as, as our guest this week um where can people find you on twitter no it's been a pleasure uh chance thanks for having me on um so i'm a um simos blog excellent well thanks for joining us all, all that's left to say is uh is cheers cheers everyone cheers. Oh, a tree. Oh,